We are online 24-7. Enjoyed this episode? Tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air, air, air. Living in a world with no air oh, Stuck here alone, I'm trying to leave My heart won't move, it's incomplete It's the only way that I can get out of here Breathe with no air Can't live, can't breathe with no air It's how it feel whenever you ain't there It's no air, no air Got me out here in the water so deep Tell me how you gon' be without me If you ain't here, I just can't breathe It's no air, no
how you gonna be without me? If you ain't here, I just can't breathe. It's no air, no for tuning into our podcast. We love having you here and it's our mission to bring you all the latest and greatest tips, skills, and know-how to make you the best that you can be. We know that you have it in you and we're going to show you how. Now, now let's get started. Yeah, you're back, 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 you're back
And we haven't, look, he started to undermine the pillars of his account before. Look, the blinders, Charlemagne, in my view, have been taken off. Okay. Now people recognize that those essential workers, a disproportionate amount of them are African-Americans. And they're breaking their necks, risking their lives, losing their lives. They're grocery store workers. They're bus drivers. They're delivery people. They're the people who are on the line. They are the they they are health they're the healthcare workers who are in a position where they're taking care of the nurses. I mean, and and they're making basically the minimum wage. So this time when we come back, we had not only rebuild, move this along. We not only rebuild, but we have to transform this economy. We can create millions of new jobs. In transportation, energy structure, we can. There's jobs. A, a job is a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. It's about respect. It's about how you treat it, and that's how we built the from the working class to the middle class. But this time, we have to address the institutional racism. We've seen it more clearly now. In a in a black majority county, they're six times more likely to die in a pandemic than a white county. They're disproportionately uninsured in the African American community. Disproportionately make up the essential jobs that, that, that they can't do at home. They're risking their lives every day. Enough's enough. And this Biden recovery I'm going to put together will bring everybody along. I'm going to build a better, a better future, not back to what we had, but a better, back to something better than we had. I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear you say that. Um, I don't know if you saw a couple of weeks ago, um, Sean Combs, you might, you might know him as Diddy. Yeah. He said what I believe a lot of black voters, including myself, feel, and that's that Democrats take black voters for granted. You know, um, votes are quid pro quo, right? It's not like I don't want to vote. I just want to know what candidates will do for us in exchange for our votes. The same way young progressive Latinos or the LGBT community. Absolutely. We want the same thing. Do you feel like black people are owed that from the Democratic Party? Absolutely, Pop. What did I say? Remember when they said Biden can't win the primaries? Yes. I kicked everybody's ass. I, excuse me. It don't I won. talk like that. I need you to say that. You did no, what? No. I won overwhelmingly. I told you when I got to South Carolina, I won every single county. I won a larger share of the black vote than anybody has, including Barack. I increased the vote in Virginia overwhelmingly by 70%. Look, what people don't know about me is I come from a state as the eighth largest black population in America the eighth largest, I get 96% of that vote for the last 40 years. It's, they're, they're the folks, as they say it my way, brung me to the dance. That's how I get elected every single time. And everybody's shocked. I get overwhelming support from the black leadership, young and old. Every poll shows me way ahead. And it's not just, I hear this, oh, yeah, old blacks are with Biden, but young aren't. Look at the polling data. Polling data, let's say it's off by half. Come on, man. Give me a little break here. This is where I come from. I got involved. I came home from college, and I had a job with a really fancy law firm out of law school. And my city is the only city in America occupied by the National Guard, the military, for 10 months when Dr. King was shot. And I had this fancy job, a kid coming from a, from a lower-middle-income household. I quit and became a public defender, and I stayed in that community. I was the only guy when I was in high school. I had a job, a country club kind of job with a, at a swimming pool. I was the only white employee in the east side because I wanted to work in the projects, because I wanted to understand. That's how I got involved in the politics. 
that's what this is all about for me. It's about equality. It's about dignity. It's about treating people with respect. And so, you know, when you take a look at my record, people talk about the crime bill. Crime bill didn't increase mass incarceration. Other things increased mass incarceration. And the reason why, if you go back and look, and I know you talk about it, you go back and take a look. That's why you had the vast majority of the black caucus at the time supporting the crime bill. Almost every major city black mayor supported the crime bill because blacks were getting killed overwhelmingly as well. And what happened when that crime bill? It had four or five really important things. It had the Violence Against Women Act. It said drug court, don't send anybody who has a drug problem to jail, send them to rehabilitation, to a drug court. It had in it, they had the, uh, the assault weapons ban, getting rid of assault weapons, getting rid of the, round, the number of rounds you could have in a gun. It also had in it a whole range of other things, but had things I didn't like. Clinton wanted to put in a deal where, in fact, three strikes and you're out. I opposed that three strikes and you're out bill. I opposed the position taking that, saying that you're going to have any mandatory sentences. But on balance, the whole bill, what happened was it did, in fact, bring down violent crime in black communities as well. And guess what? The fact is prison population didn't increase. 94% of every prisoner in jail is in a state prison, not a federal prison, no federal law. And here's the deal. The one thing I opposed in that bill was people wanting to give money to state prisons to build more prisons. I opposed it. But the point was, on balance, everything from the assault women's ban to the violence against women ban to the drug courts, they were important. And now, look what we can do. Look, I've been pushing, along with my colleagues in a black caucus in the United States Congress, we should change the entire, and I've been doing this for a while, change the entire prison system from one that is punishment to rehabilitation. There's only a couple things everybody has in common in jail. One is they were <clears throat> the victims of abuse of their kids were, or, their, or, their, or, their, or their mother was. Number two, can't read. Number three, they don't have any job skills. They were in a position where they didn't get a chance. Why does it make sense? Why did I come along and write the first act that said, when you get out of prison, you don't just get a notion where you get 25 bucks and a bus ticket. You end up under the bridge. You end up under the bridge and just do the same place. So every single solitary person being released from prison should have access to every single government program. Why does it not make sense to have African-Americans who are getting out of prison who <coughs> serve their time, everybody for that matter, be able to have public housing? Why doesn't it make sense that they can have Pell Grants to go to school? Why doesn't it make sense they can have access to health care? What are we, nuts? I, I that's what we keep doing. So, yeah, so I, sorry, that's, uh, that's our time there. No, no, I, I, I'm sorry. Well, I know Jill has to use this, but I, I want I've talked too much. I apologize. No, let me, I, I got I to ask you, though, you know, why so much resistance on admitting the crime bill and, and other legislation you are a part of was damaging to the black community? Because we had Hillary on a few years ago, uh, and Ms. Clinton said, that the crime bill, made, we made a lot of mistakes with that, and she wanted to atone for that by becoming the next president. Like She was wrong. What happened was, it wasn't the crime bill. It was the drug legislation. It was the, the institution of mandatory minimums, which I oppose. 
Mandatory, I man. Post I thought, you, I, thought you, I thought you create. I thought you uh, was a part of that in '84 as well. The Comprehensive Crime Control Act that established mandatory minimum sentences for drug offenses. No, no. What happened was, you're, what you're confusing is what. What happened was, the Black Caucus came to me and said, "Look, one of that. Well, I did this study when I was chairman of the Judiciary Committee. We looked at every district of the <laughs> of the, of the ten court districts in America, federal court districts, and we found out that." If you got arrested for robbery and convicted, and I got arrested for robbery and convicted, it was the first time, you went to jail an average of 13 years. I went to jail an average of three years. So there was this whole move, same time for the same crime. So no one based on their color could go to jail longer than anybody else for the same crime. So what happened was there was a judicial selection committee setting up that how you deal with making sure that the sentencing process is taken out of the hands of uh, prosecutors saying, I'm going to want 12 years, 13 years for you, and three years for me. The end result of that was the unintended consequence, which we changed, Barack and I did, was the fact that you, in fact, all of a sudden, you could not lower my sentence or your sentence be uh, lower than what was the average sentence for everybody else going to jail in the districts. That's how that came about. It didn't say mandatory. We said to the judges, you can't send people to jail for the same crime different times. They have to be within a, 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 a framework. That's why that has been changed. And while I was vice president, I helped Barack, we reduced the prison population by 38,000 people. 38,000 people. And the only, the only mandatory was in there was carjacking, which I opposed, and three strikes and you're out, which is ridiculous. It only was imposed three times. But still, even once makes no sense. The idea of three, ties, three strikes and you're out. Give me a break. And the other thing we have to do, one of the things that, you know, I was a public defender. I'm going to insist when I'm president that a public defender gets, a federal public defender gets paid the same amount of money as a federal prosecutor gets paid. So you have representation. People have representation. But the bottom line is, the other piece is, I'm going to try to change, and I've laid it out. I'll send you a copy of my plan. So you have it. To deliver see every it. voice? Pardon me? What, deliver every voice or what? No, the one that I, the plan I have is my manifesto for black America. And, a, and particularly the portion of it that relates to how, in fact, we're going to deal with the prison system. If you are in prison, if you are convicted of a crime, no one should be going to jail for a drug crime, period. Nobody. Nobody. So, no so matter what the crime, particularly marijuana, which makes no sense for people to go to jail. They should be just wiped out completely. And I, the reason I, is that what, if anything, for those crimes that are actually continue to be crimes, scheduled crimes, as marijuana shouldn't be anymore, what is happening is you shouldn't go to prison. You should go to a, a mandatory rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. It costs less to put people in a drug rehabilitation program than it does in jail, and you have a chance. we got to give people a chance. Well, you know, Vice President Biden, I've read some of your black agenda, and you say that you would decriminalize marijuana. What's the difference between legalizing it and decriminalizing it? Because they're trying to find out whether or not there is any impact on the use of marijuana 
not in leading you to other drugs, but what it affects, does it affect long-term development of the brain? And we should wait till the studies are done. I think science matters. I think we got decades, I think we got decades and decades of studies from actual weed smokers, though. Yeah, I do. I know a lot of weed smokers. <laughs> I want to ask you about your, your, your running mate. Um, I don't know if you saw, well, I saw the day that a news report broke that uh, Amy Klobuchar was being vetted, and a lot of people on social media, they're not too happy about that. And um, it's because they want your running mate to be a black woman. I don't know if you saw the op-ed in the Washington Post by some of the leading black women voices in this country. And they feel since black women are such a loyal voting block and black people saved your political life in the primaries this year, they have things they want from you. And one of them is a black woman running mate. What, what do you say to them? What I say to them is that I'm not acknowledging anybody who is being considered, but I guarantee you there are multiple black women being considered. Multiple. Well, you know, Thanks give so them. much. That's really our time. I apologize. You can't do that to black media. You I can't do that to white media and black media because my wife has to go on at six o'clock. Okay. Oh, uh oh, I'm in trouble. Listen, you got to come see us when you come to New York, VP Biden. Cause I a, will. It's a long way until November. We got more questions. You got more okay. questions, but I tell you, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, and you ain't black. It don't have nothing to do with Trump. It has to do with the fact I want something for my community. I would love to see Take you. Take a look at my record, man. I extended the voting racks 25 years. I have a record that is second to none. The NAACP has endorsed me every time I've run. The war, I mean, come on. Take a look at the record. All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Anyway, thanks. Time. I will come back. All right. I look Peace. forward to seeing you in person. Okay, absolutely. Okay, pal. Thanks a lot. I thank appreciate you. it, Charlemagne. Tune to the other. Download episodes of previous shows.
twin-only Zoom call to see that there are a lot of familiar faces out there on social media. Just what is it about twins that makes them so popular? Some of the biggest TikToking twins have some thoughts on that. But while some sets base their fame off their family, others have a more low-key twin you might not even know exists. We don't look as much alike as we used to, but uh, yeah, we're identical. Thanks to the sweet life of Zach and Cody, Dylan and Cole Sprouse might be some of the most famous twins around. On the show, these identical twins had the opportunity to work with superstar Selena Gomez, and Dylan took part in her first kiss on set. The problem? Selena called it one of the worst days of her life, since she had a huge crush on Cole. Years later, Cole joked that unlike his brother, nobody has ever said that about kissing him. Cole stuck with acting and appeared on Riverdale as Jughead Jones, while Dylan took a break to open All Wise Meadery in New York. Although these brothers would love to work together again, they'd want to get a gig based on their own talents and not just because they're twins. There was a time when identical twins Lisa and Lena Mantler were the number one account on TikTok before they deleted the app. They started out lip syncing on Musical.ly and quickly became popular, but when it switched to TikTok, the twins decided they wanted to do something now. They also cited concerns about TikTok's privacy policy and some security issues, but if you were a fan of their videos, don't worry because they've recently rejoined. Although they're going back to basics, they've also started their own clothing brand, J1M071. They may not have a special twin language, but German is their native language, and they started learning English after getting popular online. Veronica and Vanessa are known as the Merrill twins, and don't let their dad Paul fool you, he isn't really the third Merrill twin. These two are identical, but while Vanessa has dimples on both cheeks, Veronica only has one on her left side. While they don't have their own written language, they claim to converse using sign language sometimes. They got their start making YouTube videos with the help of their parents, but they're hoping to finish their college degrees when they can find time in their schedules. Veronica hopes to be a screenwriter while Vanessa was studying production 
vacation before their hiatus from school. They were glad to stop by the Zoom-based twin party hosted by Ethan and Grayson Dolan, but they also want their fans to know that they're not dating the Dolan twins and they're not sure why everyone seems to think they are. Scarlett Johansson portrays Natasha Romanoff in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but behind the scenes the star has a twin brother not many people know about. Hunter is three minutes older than his sister, and he tends to tower over her, but he's happy to let Scarlett have the spotlight and focuses on the nonprofit organization he founded called Solar Responders. They help provide first responders with backup systems that run on renewable energy, and Scarlett couldn't be more proud. She's called him the most altruistic person she knows, and says he reminds her to be a better person. Although they may not have a secret twin language, their parents did. They frequently spoke Dutch around Scarlett and Hunter, knowing that their twins wouldn't be able to figure out what they were saying. There are tons of TikTok stars who got their start on Musical.ly, but Ethan and Grayson have been big since back in the days of Vine. Even though they joke about not looking alike, they're identical twins, and no, they don't have a triplet named Nolan. These two quickly gained popularity on YouTube, but took a sabbatical after the loss of their father, Sean Dolan, in 2019. In addition to getting back to work creating content, they're also putting out a weekly podcast called Deeper with the Dolan Twins. Every Tuesday, they discuss various issues that go way beyond the lighthearted fun they share with their fans on their YouTube channel. They also took time out of their busy schedules to host a huge Zoom party with tons of other famous siblings. Rami Malek is a one-of-a-kind star in terms of talents, but in terms of his appearance, he does have an identical twin brother named Sammy. Just how much do these two look alike? Well, according to Rami, he once pretended to be Sammy in college so he could deliver a monologue for his class. Apparently, the teacher was suspicious, but she likes the performance so much she asked him to repeat it for another one of her classes. Even though Sammy needed some help from his brother, it doesn't mean he's not a good student. In fact, he now works as a teacher and has his own class full of troublesome students. It can be amazing to see how identical twins look just like each other. And then there's Nikki and Gabby DiMartino. Yes, as hard as it is to believe, they're technically identical twins even though they look totally different. They started out by making a YouTube channel where they share their covers of songs and music videos. But despite their best lip syncing, all their fans wanted to know was how they did their makeup. It turns out the audience loved their distinct styles and wanted to know how to recreate their looks. So the twins started a new beauty-focused channel. Gabby's ventured into the music industry, and debut album Beautiful Mess is set to be released in fall of 2020, while Nikki runs her own YouTube channel in addition to the one she shares with her sis. Fake Twin Alert You have to admit, sisters Charlie and Dixie D'Amelio do look a lot alike, so it's not too surprising that a lot of fans think they're twins. They're so strikingly similar that the Dolan twins invited them to their Zoom party that was supposed to be twins only. But the truth is, they're just standard siblings, and Dixie is older than her sister Charlie. Dixie might have been born first, but she has a ways to go before she catches up with her little sister in terms of TikTok followers. Now let's get back to the actual twins on our list. Brooklyn and Bailey McKnight are identical twins, and in this case, Brooklyn is a whole two minutes older. They got their start on YouTube, and soon they decided to connect with other twins and start a new channel called Squared. According to the National Center for Health Statistics, there are more twins today than ever before. So, Brooklyn and Bailey have plenty of twin-centric content for their channel. Outside of their online success, these two are attending Baylor University and plan to major in entrepreneurship. 
Even though the Mesquia twins are identical, there are some pretty big differences between them. According to Ashley, Olivia is more organized of the two, while Ashley is more of a social butterfly than her sister. But these twins believe their differences have helped them become successful because they each bring different strengths to their business. But don't get us wrong, they have a ton in common too. These two had most of the same classes in high school and helped each other study for their exams. They started out with a YouTube vlog, but now they're getting popular on TikTok as well. These two know that as long as they stick together, they can handle anything. When it comes to fame, sometimes two really is better than one, and Alex Stokes thinks he knows why twins are so popular. He and his twin brother Alan create videos on YouTube and style themselves similarly to highlight their identical appearance. But behind the scenes, Alex admits they often dress more differently, although they won't do drastic aesthetic changes without discussing it first. According to Alex, it's not just that fans like seeing twins, it's that they enjoy seeing the chemistry between them when they interact. He pointed out that channels showcasing romantic couples tend to perform well since the people are close to one another, and this is also the case with twins. Even though they have a lot in common, Alex and Alan want to showcase the fact that they're individuals, which is why they each have their own Instagram account. Still, Alex has admitted that the very idea of being separated from his twin makes him feel afraid. If you're a fan of their funny videos, you can also find the Stokes twins on TikTok. Unlike many other famous twins, Sam and Tegan Ripka didn't get their start online. Instead, they wowed the audience when they appeared on Australia's Got Talent. Even though they didn't win, they got their names out there, and now you can find their footage on YouTube and TikTok. In addition to being twins, Sam and Tegan are talented acrobats and dancers who aren't afraid to show what they can do. They've even written a full book about their careers called Twinning It, Dance, Acro, YouTube, and Living Life to the Fullest. Before they became the youngest members of the TikTok Creators Collective known as the Hype House, Jack and James Wright were just normal high school students. At school, they ended up in the top eight in the nation for pole vault and shot put, and James is a proud member of the track and field team. Since they're members of Hype House, it's no surprise that they love posting videos on TikTok. And the sillier the better. Even though they have lots of followers, their dad Will might be their biggest fan. He's always posting supportive content on his Instagram account, and it's clear his twins have family at home and in the Hype House. Lucas and Marcus Dobray started out on Vine, posting everything from pranks to dances to vlogs and everything in between. These identical siblings were once known as the Twin Bot, and you might have noticed that they're not shy about showing off their acrobatic skills. They probably picked it up from their mom, who is Aurelia Dobray, a world champion gymnast. Lucas and Marcus were original members of Team 10, but now their focus is on making YouTube videos with their other non-twin siblings, Cyrus and Darius. They're best known as Twin Melody, but these two identical twins are Atana and Paula at Siberia. After winning a singing competition, these two started their own YouTube channel to showcase their singing and songwriting skills. They also have a TikTok channel with over 13 million followers so far. In addition to checking out their online content, you can also shop their music and merch on their store Instagram page. Oh, I'm going to Nikki and Gabby's. Let's go to Nikki and Gabby's, Nikki and Gabby's. It was never Gabby and Nikki. Do you think twins will continue to be in? Or is this trend destined to end? Let us know what you think in the comments. Click subscribe for more great videos from us here at The Things. Thanks for watching.
Hey, what is up guys, I'm KBHD here, and this is my Tesla Model S. I named it Phantom. This is not Apollo, which was the car I had before this one. And Apollo was great, but the lease was up, so I got into a newer Tesla Model S after it. And as soon as I got into this car, I immediately noticed there's all these little things that are different about it, which got me thinking about how Teslas change over time and how that's the best and worst thing about them. So if you were to look at the, the window sticker or the registration on Phantom, it would say that it's a 2020 Tesla Model S performance. But the thing is, Tesla doesn't really do model year updates like pretty much every other car manufacturer. Instead, what they do is a steady series of slowly ongoing, constant minor changes that over time add up to a bigger difference. And, and when I say minor changes, I mean like, really minor. So the first couple days in Phantom, I noticed a couple little things, all of which I liked, by the way. First of all, the trim around the main screen is now matte dark gray, like space gray, instead of the previous chrome. And the trim in the air vents is also now matte black instead of lighter. And then this whole front dashboard, this whole top here, is now all leather, instead of before it was half leather, half Alcantara. Uh, the cover of the storage between the seats, this used to be just black plastic, now it's a carbon fiber matching the trim of the car. And then there's the seats of the car, and they change the seats all the time in Teslas if you follow this, but the new ones here, these have this motorized telescoping memory headrest that goes up or down for taller or shorter passengers. The list goes on and on, and I notice all these, and they're all pretty small, minor, inconsequential, who would even notice or care, uh, but there's also been a couple medium-sized changes. So at some point between 2016 and 2019, they upgraded the computers behind that touchscreen, making the UI noticeably faster and smoother and more responsive, and supporting more features like arcade games and YouTube and Netflix that older cars like Apollo don't support. They also moved from a two-camera setup to a six-camera setup for the autopilot system that now supports more advanced navigate on autopilot and a dash cam feature built into the car that again, older cars just straight up don't have. And then there are the huge changes. The major ones, these are the ones that get named. These are the ones that would probably be worthy of an actual model update like with other car manufacturers. So the newest one is the latest air suspension and drivetrain update called Raven, which literally added miles to the range of the car and change the feel of the drive. And there was also the great front nose cone refresh in 2016, where they went from the black plastic nose cone to the new front end here, which to me looks a lot better. And also just a few weeks from that in 2016, there was the announcement of the P100D, the first time they offered a 100 kilowatt hour battery in their lineup. And it was at that point that I decided, okay, that's a major update. This is a good time to buy. You see, these constant rolling changes, whether you're a customer or the company itself, are both a good thing and a bad thing. For Tesla, it's a good strategic manufacturing decision to simplify manufacturing as much as possible, to streamline it, and often that just means removing options, simplifying everything, getting rid of SKUs that you don't ship as much. So all you really can choose as options when you custom build a Tesla Model S is performance or long range, wheel type, paint color, and then just one of three interior trims than autopilot. And actually the performance versus long range, by the way, are not even a different battery size. They're just a, a motor and inverter difference. So they've completely eliminated all of the smaller battery sizes from their lineup. Every Tesla Model S that ships has the same battery. That is a, that is a really small number of options for a premium luxury car. But that also means 
the day you decide to get a Tesla, that version of the car you're getting will be the best version of the car there's ever been, probably even better than if you had bought it a month or two ago, like a piece of tech. It's the best version ever, usually. But that also means that the Tesla you'd be considering getting, you're never really sure if it's about to be updated by a new medium-sized or plaid-sized update. That's just, again, the nature of buying tech. But easily the biggest, most variable thing in all of this is the software updates. These cars get a lot of software updates. In fact, since I've gotten that car, it's gotten more software updates than my phone has. And in that time, it's gotten faster, it's gotten new features, new launch control, the autopilot now recognizes and reacts to new things and shows animations differently. It's a lot. So if rule number one of tech is never buy a product for the promise of future updates, is Tesla breaking this rule? Well, they're trying to because it helps them a lot for people to trust that and, and remember that their cars get better with software updates. I think the best example of this would be the summon feature. So in the Tesla app, there's been a summon feature and it's been there for years. And way back at the very beginning, it was dead simple. It was just forward or backward. So basically you could just summon the car in a straight line forward or backward out of tight spaces. You know, I guess kind of clutch if someone parks really close to you and you can't get in the door so you can summon it out. Neat, but honestly, it's, it's not much more than a party trick at the beginning. Then they start adding features. It can kind of turn a little bit. It does the mirror folding. It gets home link support. So now it can sort of maneuver out of a tight driveway space every day and open and close the garage door if you want it to. But now in 2020, many updates later, there's a full on smart summon, which will just have the car find you anywhere. Open up the app, summon the car to you, it'll find you. Okay, so technically speaking, that was a success, but in every other way, that was kind of a nightmare. I mean, the feature, the idea, the idea is there and it, it makes perfect sense in an ideal world. You're at a mall, it's raining, you walk outside with all your bags, you don't wanna walk through the rain, so you summon the car, it comes from the parking lot right up to the door and finds you, you never get wet, you get right into your car. Uh, but in reality, it's still kind of a work in progress. First of all, there's a limit to how far away it can smart summon. Feels like about 100, 150 yards before you're outside the circle and it won't let you summon at all. But once you press summon, the car wakes up and as long as you hold that button down in the app, the car will continue along this path it's drawn using GPS and imagery that it figures out that it can get to you. And it'll keep you updated on what's happening as it's following that path in the app. Now I'm doing this in an empty parking lot to minimize risk. But even from all the times I've tried this in a half full parking lot, in a full parking lot, Smart Summon just does not drive like a regular human driver. <laughs> it drives maybe like a human, but like a five-year-old human that can barely see above the steering wheel. So it does see signs and intersections 
usually it slows down for them and it'll say when it is, but sometimes it doesn't. It does see pedestrians and moving objects. Again, sometimes it slows down for them, which you would hope every time it would slow down for pedestrians, but sometimes it just didn't. And that's a really weird look when this car with no driver almost runs someone over and then proceeds to drive over to you while you're standing there holding the button on your phone. Like, sorry, I didn't mean to, I'm just summoning my car to me. I didn't know it wasn't gonna stop. I could have let go of the button, but uh. And it, it just completely, completely ignores all of the lines on the road, which I guess isn't actually that much of a problem by itself, but it just, it makes it hard for other drivers to deal with it when it's not behaving predictably like a normal driver would. Again, I've tried this in other active parking lots and it has not gone well. So that all sounds pretty rough, but the upside, the upside is people are willing to test this for Tesla. They have thousands, millions of drivers and, and fans and enthusiastic users all over the world who are willing to test this over and over and over and over again and just keep using it anyway and Tesla will use all of that data from all the successful and all the failed attempts to turn around and work on new software to make it better. It's an underrated competitive advantage. Tesla is a tech and software company really as much as it is a car company and it's the reason their cars feel more high tech than the rest. And as you know, it's very, very rare that a car improves over time. We know about car collectors trying to find cars that will appreciate in value but usually when you get a car, you know, you drive it off the lot and just over time, it slowly gets worse and worse until it's too old and it's time to replace it. When you get a Tesla, the way they want you to think about it is you get the car and it does get older, but it gets software update. Maybe you get the new Cheetah launch mode stance and then it's getting older and older, but then new autopilot update and it's getting older and older, but then a new software update and it gets faster and it just doesn't, it's supposed to feel like you end up with a better car later after you bought it. No wonder Elon keeps tweeting about the price of self-driving going up over time and how much its value is to the actual car and that it's underpriced. It's one of the most variable options in any car in the world. It's software. Tesla's stance, I'm sure if you ask them, would be please buy autopilot. Even if you don't think you need it, just buy it and eventually maybe try it once or twice, use it, fall in love with it, and then start putting hundreds and thousands of miles in so that the entire fleet can be learned from and all this data can go back to Tesla and they can learn from it and they can push a software update and make it even better. And you know what, maybe that's not such a bad thing for the car world. Maybe cars should be like pieces of tech and attempt to get better over time. Just a thought. Maybe in the comment section, let me know what you think. That's been it. Thanks for watching. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace. Wow! Talk length? No way! I forgot about that. Sorry? Remember when we were gonna bring it back? Oh, sorry. Talk length. Uh, we're doing a talk length. Yes. Um, but we're remaining socially, physically distant, as you can see. Just in case you're... Con uh... And socially. I'm gonna look at the camera. I'm not actually acknowledging you. <laughs> 91 inches? That's 231 centimeters. Oh yeah, wow. That's 2.3 meters. So we're, we're properly distant, but why are we here, James? You tell me. Because I saw a game demo yesterday that blew my little mind. And you wanted to talk about it. No, I didn't think I was gonna be allowed. Are you a game developer? No. One day though? <laughs> I think so. So the reason we're here is because yesterday, Epic Games uh, released a demo 
of Unreal Engine 5, which is the fifth version of Unreal Engine. The name says it all, hey? Yeah, and it was, it was pretty mind-blowing. But I have to say, everyone was talking about it being super, super mind-blowing, and I watched it and I was kind of like, meh, okay. It looks pretty good. The that's rocks what, look good. That's what David said. Yeah? He said, it's not that much better than Uncharted 4. I think I was expecting a little more like, I don't know, transforming robots. And they should have had The Rock in it. Yes, The Rock <laughs> walking He makes around, everything better. Looking at rocks. So there's another reason why it was kind of disappointing because uh, Jeff Keighley, the kind of like godfather of the gaming industry, I guess at this point, he's doing this whole thing called the Summer Game Fest where they're doing all these game reveals and they were like, all right, the first game reveal of the Summer Game Fest is gonna happen on Wednesday. Tune in and then people tune in it's not even a game. It's not even a real game. It's Unreal Engine, but that doesn't, does that count as a game reveal? No, that was just a totally encapsulated demo. Yeah, although it was running in real time, it's apparently. real time and like, in, you can interact with it, but it's, yeah. there's no story, there's nothing, there's probably nothing beyond what we saw. There is a story. The, the, the thing is called Lumen in the Land of Nanite, and I think maybe, maybe the girl was called Lumen, and those were all her Nanite friends. Yeah, so it was apparently running in real time, although we have no way of actually proving that. But the thing that was actually impressive about this demo was the technology called Nanite. And Lumen. And Lumen, but Nanite's really the star of the show. And, and Nanite is a technology that basically will allow developers to import full detail models from apps like ZBrush or whatever, if they went in and like created a statue with like a million different, a lot of triangles or, or import an asset from like a film library and they just like stick it right in the game and don't have to do anything. You don't need to make LODs. Right. Level of detail things. Usually in a game, you have stuff really close to the screen, really close to the observer, be high detail, but you don't want to render stuff that you can't see because that's a waste of energy and compute so when something gets farther from the screen and it's small you have more coarse and rough character models so right. lower polygon count Riley's yes you know you're pretty high def right now but I'm if you were 40 feet away you might as well just like lower the number of triangles down to like a six you know, a head a chest yeah I get crushed <laughs> into like just like a, a, a play-doh ball yeah yeah but, but and that's a process it's time consuming to make all those LODs right. now they don't have to it's very it's very they have to do it manually they have to go through and kind of like take a bunch of polygons and like crunch it down into like one polygon or something for like a you know a statue made of the one they showed in the in the demo was made of 33 million triangles. Well, the one that they have in the demo is a cinema quality. Yes. Rent. Like so that one they wouldn't even have imported the the high the highest definition LOD probably wouldn't even have that many triangles. Right. But in the demo, they just import the cinema quality ones right into the game. Boom. And then Nanite will dynamically re-render and reduce the number of triangles depending on how much space the object takes in the screen. Right. And it was pretty impressive. I mean, like looking at that statue, if you were looking at it on a high resolution screen, it was like, okay, I can see why they're saying this is photorealistic because it did. I mean, that could have been, you could have told me if you just took a still frame of the statue and you were like, this is a photo, I'd be, I'd be like, well, the other part of it is I have that no reason to think you're lying. You're actually just looking at a high triangle count model. You're not looking at, because normally they'll make a character model that'll be lower poly count and yeah. then they'll wrap it with a, a texture map, like a normal map, right. that makes it look higher texture. They like take these details that are actual geometrical details and kind of like flatten it out into 
a texture, so it looks like a bunch of details, but really it's just a flat polygon. Yeah, it's just like a flat like quilt that wraps around an object and then it knows, based on the observer's position, what it should reflect back to them or how yeah. it should appear, and then it can give the illusion of depth to things. But now they're not even gonna have to, you're not even gonna have to make normal maps or light maps. Right. You can just look at the object. So neither of us are game developers, but what this is actually supposed to do or what it promises to do is to A, make everything a lot more detailed because you got so many triangles. Did you see the little, the part in the video where they're like, okay, here's, we're actually looking at how many triangles are in the scene and they're all differently colored and it basically just looks like TV static. Yeah. It just looks like complete noise, but it's not noise. So many of those like little tiny bits are actual just triangles. And that's already like the optimized fraction of the whole number of triangles. So they right. said there was like billions of triangles in the scene, yeah. but then Nanite can just optimize it and take the 20 million or so that mattered. So that's about, uh, for an HD image, like a 1080p image, it's like one triangle per pixel. Yeah, he was like, a lot of the pixels are just gonna be a triangle. So it puts a lot of more detail into the scene and it also just makes it a lot quicker for developers to make cool looking stuff because they don't have to, as we said, manually go through and bake these things. Hey, I could talk about this for ages, trust me, but we gotta do a sponsor, all right? Because this is TalkLinked, and we have sponsors on TalkLinked, apparently. This TalkLinked's brought to you by Private Internet Access. It's a VPN that lets you mask your IP and encrypt your traffic. PIA offers over 3,300 servers in 30 countries and no bandwidth caps. It has configurable encryption levels and a kill switch to keep you in control. When combined with private browsing, it can make websites think you're in a different country. See you later. You can connect up to five devices at once, whether they be Windows, Mac, Android, iOS, or Linux, and PIA's MACE feature blocks malware and tracking domains, both of them. So try it at the link below with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Now, to talk more about what we were talking about. It seems like it kind of assesses how powerful your machine is and then gives, like allocates a triangle count based on that because they right. said that it's also gonna be available for mobile, like it's a scalable platform that can, you know, they want, you want to develop in one engine and it gets used multiple places. Obviously, yeah. if you're playing on an Android device, you're not gonna have that many triangles. Right. So instead, I guess, they'll just lower the triangle count and it'll still be dynamic and everything. Yeah. This one was still pretty high because apparently it was running on the PS5, mm -hmm. which we will get to. The thing that kind of like maybe rubbed me a bit the wrong way about this demo was A, where were the plants? They're in a cave. Yeah, so that was a little cheap though. Cause like, hey, it's pretty easy to make rocks look nice. Mm. You know, they're just kind of like, they're basically polygons already. It's like, oh, this rock is made of a million polygons. Like, you got a rock that's basically, oh, what, it's like six or seven polygons, you got a rock? Yeah, but they had a bunch of them though. Yeah, but still, <laughs> it's, there are rocks. You know, you, you wanna really impress me, get this, can't reach it, but that little thing there, look how many polygons are in that. Maybe none because it's 2D. What? But <laughs> regardless, <laughs> regardless, it's it's more detailed. I know it's a fake plant, so, but what? it's 3D. That's a fake plant? What are you talking we about? We don't even have real plants on this show? Um, no, I saw some people complaining about that. Well, not complaining, but like they were commenting on the YouTube video and on Reddit and they were kind of like, all right, this is really impressive. It looks real nice, but you know, I want to see how maybe it doesn't deal with like foliage very well. If you can import like a super high quality asset, like a film quality asset of like a plant and you know, animate it to like move in the wind, how does it deal with that? Like maybe it only really deals with these like static mega scan images. Cause that, that was one of the things that all the rocks and uh, some of the, well, I mean, the rocks 
were imported from Quixel Megascans, which is like photogrammetry, where they like 3D scan Epic real images. Them. Epic owns them. Oh, that, oh, they own Quixel. Yeah. Right. Maybe Quixel just do doesn't well. have any plants in their life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're just like, we do we rocks. Do, sorry guys, we don't do plants. We do rocks, we do space. <laughs> you want to make a game with rocks? We got you covered. <laughs> plants? Whoa, 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 slow down here, buddy. Also, the thing that was slightly, I don't know, rubbed me the wrong way, maybe, is that the, like, the woman character didn't look photorealistic at all. She looked very cartoony. Well, that's don't... not the focus of the demo, though. The focus of the demo is how dynamic all of all the environments can be made. Yeah, well, if you want to make headlines where it's like mind-blowing demo, who's a- who's Her a... hand was good, man. Like the landing on the rocks and stuff as she walked around, like- That was good. It was good. That was cool. I just feel like there were, there are like photorealistic people in like those, the Final Fantasy games. Just get the models from those. No one has hair like that. Just, yeah, that's true. Although I've never been to Korea. <laughs> They're advanced. I've never been to whatever the planet is in Final Fantasy VII. David? It's Korea. Gaia. <laughs> Gaia. Uh, can we talk about Lumen? Yeah, Lumen. So that was the other big thing. Yeah, so this basically, it's a way for light. And and, and a lot of game engines already do this. Where the they... first Xbox, man, Splinter Cell. Shoot out the, the light and then the light in the room changes. Right, right, right. But that could have been like a pre-baked thing. Like you, you shoot the light and that triggers a different pre-baked lighting setup. Whereas if in that game you can you know, move the light around and move it wherever you want and the light changes dynamically. They did have that, that in Splinter yeah. Cell. There oh. could be like a bulb on the end of a string and it could swing. It's been a long time since I played Splinter Cell. Just the difference is the bouncing. Yeah, multi-bounce lighting. There we go. David knows what he's talking about. But even <laughs> even in modern games that are much newer than the original Splinter Cell, yeah. they have sometimes pretty crappy implementations right. of lighting. So like if you're playing Ghost Recon, there could be some lamps that you shoot out and then it gets dark. But then there could be a, in that same space, maybe you walk into like a barn, you shoot the light on the ceiling and that light like disappears, but then the the halo, a cone of light that was emanating from it like remains. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's pretty hit or miss. Yeah, and that, I hate that. So what most games do like in Rainbow Six Siege is they just make the lights indestructible. You shoot the traffic light, it doesn't and do that's anything. The Maybe worst. it flickers while you're shooting it, but it doesn't actually that. break. Especially if there's other things that you can destroy, right? Like if you can break down a wall and then there's rubble, all of that rubble should be occluding other things around it. It should have uh, right. shadows in every which way. And that's what we saw in this demo. Yeah. They, they just take the sun and move it. And then all those little pebbles that you were complaining about, all the rocks, each one of those gets its own dynamic shadow. It's really cool. Do you know if Lumen will be able to work with RTX? I'm, I'm asking you as if I, you know, but I don't know. Do you, and you don't know either. Because this is an engine. Yeah, I think it's, it's like not, a- It's not a, RTX is based on hardware right now. It uses the Turing cores in, in NVIDIA's hardware. And you can run ray tracing on like other hardware, but it, it, it sucks. So I, I don't know how this works well, together. But. In the context of the next gen consoles, right. th those aren't NVIDIA. They're, They're not AMD. NVIDIA, but they are supposed to have ray tracing capability. So I'm assuming that there will be some sort of synergy here. It won't Although, be RTX. It won't be RTX, but it'll be AMD's RT. RT Red. There was an Unreal Engine 4 demo for ray tracing this week. Oh yeah? Uh, and they showed like the ray tracing and it's terrible in performance because it's all like one-to-one -one scaling. They don't have it like optimized yet. Oh, so ray tracing, you can do that in Unreal Engine obviously because that has existed for a little bit now, but it sucks. So Lumen maybe will assist ray tracing in working better on future next-gen consoles. And again, next gen 
hardware. It makes it easier for developers because they don't have to make those, again, those texture maps. There's light right. maps that are the same thing. You, you wrap a 3D object with a light map to tell it how to behave when light hits it. You right. don't have to make those light maps anymore. Right. So we can talk about how we're excited for this all we want, but it's also interesting to see what developers are actually saying. And I looked into this a little bit. As I was saying, I looked through the comments and I looked on Reddit a little bit. And some people think that this is a groundbreaking technology that's going to advance game dev you know, tech by like 20 years. And other people are like upset because they still don't want to learn C Sharp, I think. C++ is, is used by a bunch of other stuff. And C Sharp is the one that like you, it helps a lot if you know C Sharp to use Unreal Engine. So. Some, there's really like, You're gonna it have might to, not be as groundbreaking as, as they're making it seem. Maybe we're getting caught up in the marketing. Marketing. They're just going to have to do the calculus to decide of like all the time savings and not having to make all those maps yeah. is worth it to learn a new language. Even if they do spend the time to do that, regardless, uh, Unreal Engine apparently isn't going to be out until mid-2021 anyways. So the first console games yeah. to launch with the new consoles? Well, that's what I'm... I'm they're not going to have it. Yeah. First, the first like year and a half or two years, like... It appears that we're not going to see games with this for quite some time, which is usually the case with these like summer game uh, expo reveals. They'll, they'll be like, oh, look at this groundbreaking game. And then we're like, oh, it'll release in two or three years. Can't wait worry. to play this when I'm 40. Yeah. And then when the game comes out, we'll look back at the original demo and be like, hey. There's... Still not as good. <laughs> exactly. One thing that's also kind of misleading from the demo is like they make this big deal about how you can take these movie quality assets and just plop them in. Yeah. And in that one room she walks into, it's like we just saw this like huge high triangle count statue. And then she walks into a room and they're like, there's 500 of these right. statues. Right. But that's cool. Nanite can render it. That's one thing. Maybe it can. But you still have to store that asset. That takes yes. up space, right? And sure, the, the PS5 and the Xbox, they have high bandwidth SSDs, but they still have limited capacity. Yeah. Like that Series X is going to be a terabyte. The PS5, I believe, is like 825 gigabytes or something like that. Yeah. Their demo is probably terabytes. It's, right. it's huge. That's the other thing I saw people saying as well. It's like, OK, we're complaining about Call of Duty Warzone being like 200 gigs or something. How, how big is it? Yours is 180 with like, uh, what was it? Advanced or Modern Warfare? It's more? I think Warzone with like the actual Modern Warfare installation is like over 200 gigs. And we're complaining about that, but this is going to be like, if you're importing this, these assets, it's going to be like a terabyte. So this, it's not a panacea. There's still going to be, you know, constraints for the developers to right. work under. But hopefully, you know, everyone just buys those uh, proprietary Seagate SSDs for the Xbox and then you'll be fine. And the other really cool thing about the announcement was that Unreal said developers don't owe an, uh, Epic a cent until they make a million dollars in revenue. So not only are they like giving all these tools to developers, they're also being like, hey, you can use it for free until you make some make some coin. And That's kind of cool. Previously, it was $50,000. If Once you made $50,000 in revenue, then you had to pay. Up to a million. But now it's a million. Wow. It's crazy. Like, even if David's right and this doesn't look that much better than Uncharted 4, yeah. I think that even if the best game doesn't look that much better, the average game is going to look a lot better. Right. Now, we mentioned earlier that this whole thing was running on the PS5. And we've seen some of the kind of like console war starting to heat up as we approach the fall when the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are going to release. And uh, right around the time that 
Unreal released this video of this demo, a bunch of people were talking about the PS5 because it was running on the PS5, and they're like, oh, you know, this is the kind of experiences that uh, Unreal, that the PS5 is going to enable. Tim Sweeney said something about the SSD in particular. Because, did, have you looked at the, the specs, the comparative specs? The, the PS5 actually has a little less, well, on paper, it has a little less teraflops. Fewer teraflops from the GPU, but yeah. it doesn't have like double the SSD bandwidth. Right, so. Compared uh, to the Xbox Series X? Yeah, so the, the PS5 SSD has 5.5 gigabytes per second on their SSD, and the Xbox has 2.4 gigabytes per second. <laughs> Bush League. Piddly. Okay, so this is a quote. They, they did a, Tim Sweeney's the CEO of Epic and uh, they did a press conference for, for this whole demo release, and he says, the storage architecture on the PS5 is far ahead of anything you can buy on anything on PC for any amount of money right now. It's going to help drive future PCs. Like, they're gonna see this thing ship and say, oh wow, SSDs are gonna need to catch up with this. Which obviously makes PC enthusiasts a little salty. I mean, I hope it's true. Well, but this is the thing is that you know, that, that kind of bandwidth, you can get that on NVMe SSDs right now. So everyone's like, what the heck are you talking about? He might not be strictly talking about bandwidth though. He just says right. the architecture is yes. light years ahead. So yeah, I what think other parts of that are I think it's, to? it's the it's the bandwidth and the SSD and how it's like designed and integrated with the whole system so that developers can like get this, you know, closed platform and be like, all right, I'm going to only work with this and like make things like really freaking quick, you know? But who knows? The best information we have so far is that the SSD and the RAM are way closer integrated oh. so that it can like offload processing that's not, or processing that it doesn't have to do onto the, the SSD, leave it, keep rendering on the RAM, and then load stuff and exchange stuff really fast. They're really, they're closer together, so they're basically, they're if, if, if you have the RAM and SSD kiss, then that's where the, that's, that's the best console. That's only the beginning of the data transfer there. It goes from SSD to RAM yep. to VRAM oof, to L2 cache on the GPU to L1 cache on the GPU. Those are my favorite. That's where the kiss, the French kisses happen. <laughs> PS5 is also going to have, you know, like the 3D, the 3D audio. Tempest, did you see this whole thing? You can map your ear. Mark Cerny, the... Uh... I don't understand that. Like with headphones, like when using headphones. Who does understand it? I've used apps before. I've seen headphones before where you use your phone to take a picture of your ear, yeah. and then they, they say it makes it makes the sound better for yeah. you or whatever. But I'm, if I'm playing console on my couch, sitting at one of many couch positions, because my couch is huge. Um, <laughs> Such a big couch. Or if there's other people in the room, like how does how does this track to, to a, a room with 5.1 or, or? You basically, you take a picture of your ear and then the computer gets it and it's like, hmm, this is who I'm doing this for. And then it just kind of makes it care more about it, you know? This doesn't make any sense. Maybe for headphones. That makes perfect sense. It's only for headphones. It's only for headphones. It's okay. only for headphones. But That's why, better. you know? Why stop at headphones? Why stop at for simulating? For so many practical reasons. Why stop at simulating individual raindrops in a rain or shower scene? Because apparently that's what it's gonna do. I wanna know exactly how many atoms are in each raindrop like so that Steve when it Jobs, falls, you know? when it falls and hits the floor, it's like, and I'm like, that's right. That's like, what it sounds like. Like Steve Jobs' next computer is like, I want the inside that only the technician's gonna see. I want that to be beautiful. And you, I'll pay. <laughs> and I'll pay you for it. If you had to buy a console, because all this is, you know, all this is really conjecture. Like we've gotten the, we've gotten the specs, we've gotten all of this hype and these demos put out, but like we don't really know what the actual, we don't know which one's going to be better because they're not out yet. 
Mm -hmm. We don't have our, we can't get our hands on the meat. Or the controllers. Or the controllers. Sometimes if you have just the meat and just the controller, it's okay, but in this case, we need both. Yeah. So, do you have loyalty to anything? I've been in an life? Xbox man. But you're an Xbox man. I had a PS1, then I had an Xbox, then I had an Xbox 360 on day one. Oh, wow. That was the last console I owned. So I'm kind of an Xbox man, but Dang, dude. I don't really like PlayStation controllers. I don't like the symmetrical thumb. It's more ergonomic yeah. for me to have my thumbs up. I've, I've hated the PS4 controller, the PlayStation controller in general since since forever. But this one actually looks, I mean, it they basically looks like they took the the Xbox's controller form factor and just kind of put their well, sticks the on. The joysticks at the bottom, I don't like it. Get, get over it, dude. All right, well, I'm done talking, but TalkLink will be back to talk more at a later time. So thanks for watching, guys. If you like TalkLink, wait for a while. Talk talk a bit we'll, more. We'll, talk talk whenever you want to. We'll do it sometime. And New TalkLinks every sometimes. Every <laughs> and stay away from me. Continue to do that. Oh my God, your poor laptop screen. If you enjoyed today's show, please head over to iTunes, give us a rating, and leave a review.